Hi, and welcome back to the Multifaceted Athlete with Coaching Lutz. I'm your host, Kelly Lutz. I am a USGA certified running and ultra running coach and certified strength and conditioning specialist. I am so excited to have you here today. We'll be talking all about running, aspects of running, strength training, and anything else that makes us humans who do sports. So let's dive right into this episode. I hope you love it. Welcome back to another week of the podcast. This week, I'm joined by another guest, Lucy Haynes. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this conversation. Lucy is a mental strength coach, and like me, she's also a runner and climber, so she is multifaceted in many ways. This conversation is so good. It has so many nuggets that you can take from it, whether you are a short distance runner, long distance runner, climber, or probably any other athlete. So without further ado, enjoy the show and let me know what you think of this episode. Welcome back to another week of the Multifaceted Athlete. I'm here again with another guest, and I'm really excited for this conversation today because we're talking with a mental strength coach, Lucy Haynes. And as most of you know, running is part physical and a lot mental. So Lucy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Kelly. Glad to be here. Can you tell everyone a little bit about you if they're not familiar? Yes. uh, So my name is Lucy. I live in the mountains of Colorado, kind of near Vail, um, and I am an ultra trail runner and rock climber, similar to Kelly here, yeah. and yes, I am a mental strength coach and a sports psychology consultant. Yeah, it's so awesome. I think the work that you're doing with athletes is super valuable, and it seems like nowadays it's becoming more common to have that mental aspect as part of coaching versus before it seemed a lot more like all about the training plan, which is more of what I do. So I think having like a combo between you and I is really ideal for athletes. I definitely agree. And I'm, I'm certainly biased, but <laughs> I think in my own experience, I, I have definitely been the athlete that's just trying to push, push, push physically to make up for all of my perceived weaknesses. Yeah. And so could you go over kind of big picture what is the role of mental strength in sport whether it's running specific or more general to all well not all sports but maybe all sports definitely yeah um so it it certainly applies to running but it applies to all sports as well um and I think the carryover is very everything carries over from one sport to the next no matter what the focus is um so if you're not a runner this will still apply all this will still apply to you um the main thing is, is that yes, your physical body is the main source of your performance as an athlete, but the mind is the gate to that. So you'll never be able to access all of your physical um, ability and reach the maximum of your capabilities physically if you can't unlock the door to get to those things. And yeah, that's kind of how I see the role of mental strength is to, to create balance in your life, but so that you're not just go, go, go all of the time physically and getting hurt and injured and burnt out and all the things. Um, and also make sure that you can actually access your real potential. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of us struggle, maybe not more so, but a lot on the mental side and we don't think to work with someone to like help us with that versus the physical 
when you're working with athletes, what do you see them need help with the most with regards to mental strength? I honestly find that people just don't even really think about it (laughs) or they think that it's something that they can handle themselves or they think that they're weak if they come across a mental barrier that they just need to grin and bear it and get through it. And that's just unfortunately not the case. Nobody is weak for hitting a mental barrier. You're just human. Um, And I would say that you're more strong for reaching out to address that mental barrier. So I think the main thing initially that I deal with athletes is helping to communicate to them that what they're, what they're facing is not anything unusual. Um, Mm -hmm. The best athletes out there address their mental concerns. They don't just power through them. Um, They probably train I mean, they train very intentionally, which I know that you probably talk to all of your athletes about. You're not just trying to do as much as possible, Mm -hmm. as hard as possible, but they're supplementing that with intentional mental training so that their intentional physical training actually goes somewhere. Yeah. So what are some examples of intentional mental training that you use on athletes? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It's a, it's actually quite similar to a physical training plan. It's something you can't just use these techniques when you need them. Um, I'm trying to think of a parallel here. If you're, if you're a runner, you're an endurance athlete, you know that nutrition is very important on the run. You can't just pick a random thing that you're going to eat on race day during your race and trust that it will work. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same thing with mental training. You have to practice it over time Um, and you build it into your training. So you start out by doing it in a high frequency, low intensity, kind of like a base building Mm, stage of running, um, kind of in the off season or in your low mileage season alongside your base building. And then as, as you move up from there, you can increase the intensity and use it in actual training and race scenarios. So it's an everyday thing. It's not just a pull this out of your pocket when things get hard thing. Oh, that's good to know. Um, so if it's an everyday thing, is it more of like general principles? Is it like set aside five minutes and do this specific mental exercise or like, what does that look like? That's definitely how it starts. Yeah. So, um, I'm assuming that with your athletes, you, you give them a training log and they, they fill it out as they train. And then you give them responses on a daily basis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Similar with me. So I'll have my athletes fill out a daily mental training log and the assignment, what for the day or for the week, um, will kind of depend on what stage they're in. If they're just starting out. Yeah. It's going to be very similar to that. Like every day, five, 10 minutes could be a meditation session specifically oriented towards their mental goals. It could be a visualization session. It could be practicing breathing. It could be, um, journaling on their experience. Um, but it depends on an athlete's very specific goals, but generally I have, I work with the athlete to pick a a specific focus for the month that they're going to start with. Mm -hmm. So For instance, someone that I'm working with right now is working on, she's a climber. So I'm working with her on increasing her confidence on the wall Mm -hmm. so that she can actually try hard moves instead Mm of, you know, all of you climbers out there, you know, this sometimes you'll half try a move, um, and you're only doing it to kind of prove to yourself that you're trying, but you're not really trying Mm -hmm. because your confidence isn't there. So she has this history of half trying 
all of these hard climbs and she's she knows while she's doing it that she's not putting in her full effort but there's that mental barrier and for her we realized that that is a confidence thing she's really struggling with her confidence she's not putting in her whole effort because she doesn't think that she can do it therefore she can't access the energy that she act, that she does have but she uh, that that she would need to actually make that move happen um similar in running you know if you're working on intensity and intervals but you know that you're not going nine out of ten you're going more seven out of ten mm -hmm. because you're scared to go fast you're scared that it's going to hurt you're scared that you can't hit those paces same thing um so the goal for her whole month was focusing on building confidence but at the beginning of the month we don't even look at using those things in your training plan you start doing them in everyday life so her first assignment was an everyday meditation session focusing on um creating positive self-talk habits in her mind mm -hmm. around things that were not based in training because you want to start with something that is safe and comfortable and um something that you can repeat on a daily basis and then once you get comfortable with that in the low intensity environment then you can start putting it into your training that you theoretically care about more and matters more to you um but you know when something matters more the stakes are higher so yeah. you want to get more comfortable with it first and ease it in there's a long-winded way explain it no that was great <laughs> i really i really could have used you in my college career running because i was always afraid of going out too fast and i would like be too conservative, you know, until the very last kick. And then yeah. I probably had more in me, but we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can still use it today. <laughs> yeah. Now for ultras instead of, you know, exactly. collegiate 5Ks. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Much better, I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of into the 5Ks right now, but I, I think I'm similar to you. I don't know if you were injured, but I know you're taking like a step back from running and trying to get back into your routine mm -hmm. I was dealing with foot pains you know yes annoying yes. <laughs> I hear you it's a long journey <laughs> yeah so speaking of setbacks how do you recommend athletes deal with them and bounce back from them whether it's an injury like I have or just stepping back like you were doing or like not finishing your a race definitely gosh um so I'm in the middle of a very long setback at the moment um I am dealing with um, red S recovery, which most of you guys have probably heard about now, it's luckily getting a lot more attention in the athletic world. Um, mm -hmm. And it's basically when your hormones are out of whack because you've been over-exercising and under-fueling um, intentionally or otherwise. And it's a long process. So this whole year really has felt like a setback for me. And um, the biggest, the first thing I would say is working on changing your perspective from setback to something parallel. So instead of stepping backward, we're stepping to the side. You might not be stepping forward with what you're doing in that specific intent, like that specific zone. So in running, I'm definitely not increasing my ability as a runner right now, mm -hmm. but I'm not stepping back at all because I'm making improvements in other areas. So you're not necessarily taking a step back and you're running, you're pressing pause on the running, but you're taking a step to the side into another plane to work on other areas of your life. It could be strength. It could be you're building out your personality, making it more robust so that you're not so 
shattered when you can't run. Because mm-hmm. um, that's still growth. It's just lateral growth. It's not necessarily vertical or forward forward growth. And I think that is a huge mindset shift that people can make. And you can use skills. You can use visualization skills. You can literally imagine yourself stepping outward instead of stepping backward. And, you know, self-talk phrases, as I was saying before, you're not going to want to use anything that sounds cliche or cheesy to you, but you come up with your own phrases or we work on them together to help establish that confidence in yourself that you're doing something worthwhile here. And you can also use visualization techniques to basically be involved in your sport, even if you can't be involved in your sport. It's very cool that there is a, um, there's a strong link between your physical movement and your mental visualization of that movement. So they've done studies um, of, I mean, many athletes, but one I'm thinking of in particular is skiers who were imagining themselves, visualizing themselves going through the course while kind of physically going through the motions as well, but not actively on the course. Um, because in this case they were injured, they could not actively ski. Once they returned from that period of injury compared to a control group, their skills were much more refined, even more so than before they left the sport temporarily for their injury. It's a very cool link. So widening your perspective. If you're similar to me where you have climbing and running and then like your career and your route setting on all of that, and just like having different aspects of your life that you really care about is helpful in instances when you can't do one to its fullest. Um, So that's a great point. I also love what you've been doing with your reels and your easy running, just like making them as fun as possible. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that? Oh my gosh. Yes. This is something, (laughs) um, well, first of all, just quickly back to the last point you are, it is totally natural to grieve and be upset about something. Uh, I mean, I know we just said not to view it as a setback, but it it does kind of feel that way at first and you're allowed to grieve that completely. But I know that if I asked every single one of you, when is the time, like, what is a memory of yourself running the fastest, the best, the strongest that you can think of, I would put a lot of money on the fact that there's probably a giant smile on your face while you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or even if, even if it's hard and you're grimacing physically, you have energy within you that is, you know, shining a light on what you're doing. Um, and one of my favorite phrases, my, my own kind of mantra that I use in, in races and in life now, honestly, is um, fun is fast. And mm-hmm. If you are focusing primarily on having fun, that is going to pay off in your actual performance. So, you know, we take the shift away from doing well, being fast, hitting X, Y, Z, and shift it back to, I'm going to enjoy myself as much as possible. And we'll see what happens from there. You can definitely still have objectives and goals, but your number one objective should be how can I enjoy this the most? Mm -hmm. Um, Because that is going to be what leads you to those performance objectives. Yeah. And I think that is what leads you to long-term success, like staying in your sport for a long time, which now that I'm coaching, I feel like my focus for my athletes is more on like, how can I get you to like this for a long time and not hate running and drop out of it? 
you know, unless you're like, you truly do hate it, then I don't want you to stay in it. <laughs> but I feel like that goes along with what you're saying. It's like joy is the primary objective over like these outcome goals. Right, right. And especially as we're looking at, I mean, female athletes in particular, but both, both genders. I mean, the peak of male endurance is 45. For women, I think we're starting to prove that it's even beyond that. I mean, I'm sure most of you guys have seen Camille Heron crushing her own records as she's going further into her 40s, which is incredible. And then we had those two female runners who got um, like rate course course records on, mm-hmm. I mean, they're multiple over the past year. Look at anything in the news and female runners are absolutely crushing it as they're getting older. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the point being is that sport is not, it's not as limited as we used to think it was. We don't have this, this tight little time frame that we have to squeeze everything into. So mm-hmm. the longer that you can enjoy something, the more potential you have because the faster you burn out, the less, the shorter you're able to continue on and actually see how far you can take things. And I think the average age for females in ultra running is low forties, if I remember correctly. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still very underrepresented in the sport. So I feel like that number could potentially keep going up once we have Mm -hmm. more women in ultra running, which is really exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's a sport that takes a lot of time to cultivate. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just kind of makes sense that as you get older and more experienced with it, that you're going to perform better, especially because it's more about endurance and not necessarily about intensity, which you can Mm -hmm. keep up for longer. I mean, yeah, it it all comes back to, to joy and building your training around things that you truly enjoy and around methods that you truly enjoy. Yes, you might not feel super psyched in the middle of your hill sprints. (laughs) I don't love the feeling of that. Um, But if you base it around something that you are passionate about, then you can still pull that fuel from it, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't like my hill sprints. I love being able to run up hills. So if you can base it around your values in the sport, um, both specific and and larger, then you can capitalize on that that joy fuel. Hill sprints are the worst. So I, I'm with you there. <laughs> they really are the worst. <laughs> They're so good though for training, especially for ultras when we're running in mountains or just on trails with any elevation gain. So for running, uh, we need like a certain, well, I don't know if we need, but it behooves us to have a certain level of mental toughness. And one of my athletes asked, is there ever such thing as too much mental toughness? Like when we're pushing too much, like through an injury, we shouldn't push through. And how do we navigate that? Oh my gosh. 100%. <laughs> and I, I consider myself like a, a case study in this, um, mm-hmm. because I think I got myself into this position of, um, that energy mismatch because I, that I consider it my strength that I am just resilient and kind of able to push through anything, which is very helpful at, you know, mile 70 of an ultra, but not so helpful when you're building up to an injury or when your body's not getting enough fuel or you're not getting enough sleep or you're stressed out. And that is kind of why personally, I don't love the phrase mental toughness um, because toughness gives me that sense of like, Er, grit, like I'm going to push through and I'm going to power through, which definitely has its place. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I think that real mental strength is knowing when to, when to push and when to back off and be kind to yourself while really being kind to yourself above all. So making sure that when you're pushing yourself, it's out of kindness and joy. And then when you're holding back or, or uh, changing your focus or taking a break, that it's also out of being kind to yourself. And I think that is probably way harder for most Mm -hmm. people to do than to just push through things is have that vulnerability and that trust in themselves and in the process to, to, back off to ease off. Um, Mm -hmm. like, I'm sure you have to say this with your athletes, like run slow on your easy days. (laughs) Personally for me, that's way harder than just running fast. Um, Mm -hmm. because I don't like to hold myself back, but it's the same thing where I think going slow on your easy runs takes more mental strength than going too fast on your easy runs. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've always said, I like speed workouts more for that reason. Cause it's just like, yes, the running is harder, but mentally it's so much easier when you're just mm-hmm. pushing. Yeah. Um, and you, and it feels good. Like you get mm-hmm. those endorphins, you get that sense of satisfaction. You might not get those same chemicals and feelings rushing into you when you're, you know, running a slow pace for four miles on your easy day. Um, but again, it takes mental strength to look and put that easy run into context and say, yeah, I'm not going to be flooded with serotonin right now. I'm not going to feel awesome about this run because I totally crushed my intervals, but I am using this run to do something bigger, to do something greater. So I am going to practice this slowness, this easiness and this restraint because that matters more. And that's still using mental strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think with respect to easy runs, something I see a lot, which I'm sure you've seen and maybe experienced too, is like this obsession with, I don't know what it is. It's always like the 10 minute mile. Everyone, not everyone, but it's common that if you are running faster than the 10 minute mile, then it's fast. And then 10 minutes is like the average. I don't want to say average, but you know what I'm trying to say? And then like slower than that, everyone's like, oh, this is so slow. When in reality, like 10 minute mile is just an arbitrary number. How would you suggest athletes deal with like those kind of mental blocks? Like when they're hung up on numbers or certain distances, they feel like they need to run regardless of what their plan says or if they're following a plan or not. Yeah, that's really hard. And it it definitely takes practice. But I think the first thing that people can do is get out of your usual element, right? So a big reason that I started running on trails is because the terrain is so so varied. You can't just say, I'm going to keep up this pace for the entire time because it's just consistent um, and predictable. It's not. Um, You go up a hill, your pace slows dramatically. You go down a hill, it speeds way up. And so by the end of the run, yeah, you get your average pace, but it's going like this the entire time. And that way you can base it more on, I love the RPE scale, which you probably know if not in that term, but um, yeah, your rate of perceived effort. And that, um, you know, that's, that's a lot in your realm, but it also kind of carries over to mine because you can use it to get in touch with how your body and your mind actually feel mm-hmm. at certain effort levels. So that easy run, it does not matter what the pace is it matters how you feel in that pace. And if you're in different places or different environments, 
the pace is going to be different. Um, like I just got back from a trip to Boston, which is much lower elevation than where yes. I live at like 8,000 <laughs> feet. Um, and my easy runs were way faster, but that was still within the realm of what I was supposed to be doing, according to my coach. Well, all of my runs are easy runs right now, but <laughs> you know, I, I was still putting in the right effort level, um, mm -hmm. but I was in a completely different place. So if possible, if you're not already running on trails, go run on trails. So if you're already running on trails and you're still struggling with that, because I, I do completely understand it, I still do. Um, get on a different trail, get on one that you can't predict that you don't know where the rises and falls are. Um, and if possible, yes, watches are great. They're wonderful tools for running. If you can switch the screen so that it, mm -hmm. it like, it says maybe your distance first and not your pace um, or the elevation or like find numbers are helpful. I'm not saying to ignore them completely, but find one that, that maybe doesn't change so much day to day. Mm -hmm you know, find one that mm -hmm. like distance or elevation or something like that, that you can use as your goal for your run um, and let the pace set itself. Yeah. I love that. And that's great advice. And I feel like everyone could use that, but I, I feel the same about trails. I remember my first trail run out here in Colorado, moving from Maryland, it was like a slap in the face, <laughs> especially oh coming gosh, from yes. like, yeah, <laughs> like coming from a cross country runner. I was like, why can't I run continuously anymore? <laughs> but it was so but good. Just like everything else, like your body adapts, mm -hmm. you know, the body is so resilient. You just have to give it time and it will adapt. Yeah. So. I feel like a lot of people get hung up on like training for one specific race. And then it's like, mm -hmm. I need to run this pace for like these 12 weeks in order to hit the time goal for my race. But like, like we were saying before, like running is more of a long-term thing, hopefully in your life. And you need to be thinking beyond just those 12 weeks or that training block and like using some of your principles, I think can help with that. Like think of the Definitely. bigger picture. Yeah. Like that. Re I mean, I love using races to punctuate my training and kind of give me something to work for. Yeah, exactly. Um, how did she do in Boston? Side tangent. <laughs> oh, she did awesome. She did awesome. She, yeah, she got an 11 minute PR on her marathon, which is pretty insane. Yeah, <laughs> very proud. <laughs> That's so awesome. And to be at Boston to do that, so mm -hmm. special. It was, it was amazing. Like I am not a road runner at all. I <laughs> probably never will run a road race. Um, I did like one in my life and I'm good. Um, but just being there, like the energy of it is so, so infectious. It made me want to run Boston, <laughs> even though I, uh, that was fleeting. Don't worry. I'm not going to go do a road marathon <laughs> for all of you out there. I more power to you, but I'd rather yeah. run long and slow than hard and fast. Yeah. I mean, especially on the trails you have near you out in Eagle County. They're so pretty. Uh, yes. I'm very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of races, let's shift more to ultra races. One of my athletes asked, what are some tips for the inevitable self-doubts that creep into your head the week or two prior to a big race? Mm -hmm. Yes. So we just talked about reframing, but I'm going to use that again because it's one of my favorite techniques in, in mental strength development and sports psychology. What I tell people here is that if you're having those hesitations, those doubts, those fears, befriend that. That is not something that is trying to hurt you. It's a sign that you care. 
right? And if you care about something, just go, like going back to the same thing, if you have, if you have that passion, that energy, that excitement for something, that is your fuel, right? So you can use that feeling of self-doubt as another type of fuel. You just have to reframe it from, oh, I'm nervous that I'm not going to do well. Therefore, I'm not going to do well. We're going to reframe that thought into, I'm feeling really nervous about this race. And that's because I put a ton of time and effort and energy into training mm-hmm. for it. And I care a lot. So if I care a lot, then I'm going to have more energy to run with mm. um, is, you know, a general way of going about it, but it'll depend on, you know, we, we want to create reframes and phrases that speak to athletes themselves that sound yeah. like themselves. So I don't write these things for them. You know, we work on them together. Um, but you know, something that is going to speak to them in particular to say, Hey, this isn't a bad thing. Nerves are good. Mm-hmm. We just have to learn how to, how to put them in context. This is kind of not related to running, but you could use any of these for like, I know I get really nervous when like big meetings at my mm-hmm. job, like career stuff. Um, so yeah. it sounds like you can use this in a lot of aspects of your life once you like learn how to use it in running. Definitely. That's one of my favorite things about all of this is that it's not just for sports. Um, and that again, goes back to building out who you are as a person, mm-hmm. not just who you are as an athlete. If you're a well-rounded, mentally strong person, then you're going to be able to be that mentally strong athlete too. Um, but the person is the more important part. Your athleticism is part of who you are and it's how you can express yourself Mm -hmm. in the world, but it's not yourself. I love that so much. It's a good reminder that we all need to. (laughs) I I mean, I need it myself all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I need it like written on my bathroom mirror. (laughs) Right, or just tattooed on my arm. Yeah. You are a whole person. (laughs) (laughs) You're Um, a whole thing. Yeah, you are more than your sport. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so during ultras, we've all heard of like the pain cave. Mm-hmm. What are some of your tips for handling that? Yeah, I mean, I, so you're probably getting this sense already. I don't like to get rid of any feelings or emotions. I think, mm-hmm. I think they're all very important and they all serve a purpose. And the pain cave, <laughs> that's a good one. Um. So Courtney DeWalter, one, the reigning champion in mm-hmm. ultra running for, for women, uh, really, honestly, for everybody, she's incredible. Um, we don't need to divide that by gender. She's <laughs> wonderful as a, as a human being. Um, she likes to view the pain cave similarly to how I kind of try to help athletes view that, that pain and discomfort. It's a sign that you are getting into the thick of things, right? If you're not making it into the pain cave, you're probably not actually giving it your full effort. It's kind of like that half trying that we were talking about before. And yeah, it's very tempting to avoid the pain cave because it is, it's painful. It is not fun. You feel pretty awful. You really don't want to keep going. There's no end in sight. You are just deep in it and everything hurts, but you're also not, yeah, it's a, (laughs) You kind of have to be in it to experience it, mm-hmm. but there's also a huge beauty in that because that is what we're trying to get to, right? So that's kind of how she views it. She aims to get into her 
pain cave. That is actually her goal. She's mm. not trying to avoid the pain cave. She's saying my main goal in this race is to get to that point where I am deep in the pain cave. I'm running through the pain cave because that tells her like, that's her cue. That's her sign that she is running at her, at her limit. Um, and that she's using all of her stores and all of her energy that she's, that she's uh, reaching her running potential. So again, you can view that as your, it can be a goal. It can be a good thing. You can see it as, ah, yeah, this hurts. I am, I am deep in this right now. And that's a celebration because you're reaching your limit. And that is, it's hard to do because it's so easy to just have half do things mm-hmm. yeah more reframing all the reframing <laughs> the I'm sensing a theme. can be a goal it can be a thing it can be what you're going for um because once you're in it that's when that's when you're able to pull everything out pull out all the stops that is so cool I've never I, I know that Courtney likes the pain cave but I've never heard of it as like being the goal yeah, I read that in an interview recently. Um, I think this past year after one of her larger races where she was saying, yeah, that is like her goal is to get into the pain cave. And I realized that really aligns with what I try to help people do as well as reframe the discomfort. The discomfort yeah. is is a sign that you're that you're doing well, that you're doing what you're set what you set out to do. Yeah. Obviously, there's a difference between like discomfort and actual acute pain mm-hmm. like never want someone to run through an injury I'm not advocating for that but I, I think most people understand that the pain cave is not an acute pain it's more mm-hmm. of that dull existential pain <laughs> yeah the pain where yeah. like your mind doesn't want you to keep going but mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. keep making your legs move <laughs> exactly exactly yeah where where does your pain cave usually happen in ultras honestly my it comes and goes and I think that's the beauty of an ultra is you know you can be in hell in mile 10 Mm -hmm. and then at mile 30 you're on top of the world and then 10 more miles after that you're like you're sinking down again and then five more you're at the top of the world you know it's like you ride this roller coaster and I think that's another good way um now that I think about it to to reframe it if you're getting into that uncomfortable state that pain cave state you can you can remind yourself that it is not forever yes the Mm -hmm. race is not forever either but you'll probably go up and down even within the race right so it's not just about getting through the the race to end to to get out of the pain cave it's just about waiting another five minutes and seeing Mm -hmm. what happens then um every it's it's all temporary (laughs) yeah I, I feel like an ultra marathon is like a little life within itself oh. and you're having all of those ups and downs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I totally agree. It's like you have a complete like live. Well, sometimes it's more than a day. I'm thinking in the terms of 50 K where you're out there for like, you know, six to nine hours ish. Yeah. And like, you feel like you've lived a week already oh, <laughs> in that gosh. small time. <laughs> yes. And that's beautiful, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're packing so much life into that short span of time, um, which you can't really do in a lot of other things. You know, I, I see it in climbing as well, where you're on your journey route and it takes you, you know, an hour to figure out all the things and get to the top. And by the time you're down you're like, wow, I, my brain is packed and fried because I just did so much living up there in such a short like relatively short amount of time. 
I don't know if this falls into your purview, but you know how on like days, if you have a long day before you do your training, you're like mentally very tired. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any tips for pushing? I don't, I don't want to say pushing through that, but like overcoming that to do your training. Yeah. Um, couple of things here. One thing that I'm really trying to teach myself right now. So I am, I'm talking to myself, Lucy, listen, um, <laughs> your body doesn't just per, it, it perceives mental and physical stress the same way. So if you had a really stressful day at work or with family or personally, um, it doesn't see that as any different than the stress that you get from a long run or a workout or something like that. Um, so the first thing is to give yourself grace and to recognize that, yeah, your body is going to be wiped, even if you didn't move it physically that day. If you had a really stressful work day you're going to be exhausted mm-hmm. and that's okay. Like you're probably not going to be able to perform your best the next day because it's as if you just ran a marathon the day before, you know, um, that's how your body is perceiving it. So I think it's important to like work with your coach in those circumstances. I know mine, I'm sure you do too, like has her athlete, she has her athletes rate their all of their, their, their vitals, essentially, like your stress level, your sleep, your fatigue, how Mm -hmm. your body's feeling, like do that on a daily basis. And if the fatigue and the stress like starts to build either within or outside of training, then she's going to lower things down because like, if you're continuing on with your regular training plan, but your life is exhausting, Mm-hmm. at least, you know, in that temporary moment, you're not doing your body any favors. And I, yeah. I think that also takes mental strength to realize, like, I need to, I need to ease off here to keep this balance because my body is already getting that stress. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to get more of it from this. That's just going to push myself over the threshold. So listening to your coach, having <laughs> trust in your coach, which you know, the, uh, like frame of mind about it, you know, and then communicating with your coach and then going back to that rate of perceived effort. Like if you can't hit your paces that day, or you can't hit your, your full mileage, trusting the feeling in your body, if you're getting the same feeling, the same sensation, the same work, then you're going to be getting the same results. 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially (laughs) Um, everyone always forgets the like things outside of your training that stress you out also affect your training. Yes. And like, you have to look at it holistically, not just, well, I haven't gone running today. So why am I tired? (laughs) Oh, I know. Gosh, I do that all the time. Like I shouldn't be tired right now. And then I remember, oh, well, you got four hours of sleep last night for this. Like, of course you're tired. (laughs) Yeah. Or it's like, oh, you had back-to-back meetings yesterday and then a big presentation. Yeah. And then you had plans with friends. For us introverts, that's a lot. That is a ton. (laughs) Plans with friends avoid me out more than anything else. Um, But again, like you're a whole ass human. That's Mm -hmm. what we're going for here. We're not going for you're a runner. Therefore, everything else has to go to the side. Like, I honestly don't think that that results in the best performances as a runner. Like, yeah, I agree. And I feel like, like, obviously in certain cases, like if you want to run a hundred miler, you're going to have to sacrifice in some areas, but oh yeah, like you're saying, I don't think you should have to completely change your life unless like that's something that's really, and yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all about priorities. Priorities are a, okay. 
Uh-huh. I think it's, you don't want to give yourself that sense of deprivation. Yeah. Um, so again, as long as it's something that you're happy to do, like for me, I don't really love going out late and uh, doing things <laughs> or hitting the town or whatever in my, in my small town where yeah. there's nothing. But if I lived in the city, you know, I am glad for an excuse to go to bed early on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. If I just say like, oops, sorry guys, I got to go for my long run in the morning or I'm going climbing the next day. So I, I can't stay out till two, but you know, if you, if that's something that you genuinely want for yourself, then figure out another way to make it work. Cause if mm-hmm. you're feeling deprived, then you're you're not going to have that joyful energy. You're going to resent what you're doing. So kind of along those lines of like being a full human and looking past certain races, how do we deal with when we've done a lot of training and then for whatever reason, we can't make it to the start of the race? Because I feel like that is almost Mm -hmm. worse than a DNF, which is did not finish. Yeah. Did not Uh, start. It's heartbreaking. And I think, you know, first step, let yourself feel like it's heartbreaking. Like if, if you're constantly just immediately reframing things to just be positive and optimistic all the time, I don't think that's healthy either. Mm-hmm. Um, because those quote unquote negative emotions are really important too. Um, again, if you're grieving something, if you're upset about something that meant that you, that you cared about it. Um, and that's something to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. So let yourself grieve it, let yourself be upset and then also recognize that everything that you did isn't for nothing. You can apply that to another race later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, you built up all your all your fitness already, not going anywhere. You know, you might have to focus on something else for the time being, for the for whatever reason you couldn't step up to the mm-hmm. starting line if there's an injury or something. But it's mm-hmm. not like not being able to do that race negates everything that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, the race is a, the race itself is a celebration of your training. You know, it's, um, it's you being able to implement your training, but the hard work is in the training. You know, the race is one day, the training is, you know, months on end, if not longer. And that's where all the important stuff is. And that's why it's worth it to, to prioritize joy in your training. Um, because the race is just one day. It's one day. Mm-hmm. It might be a really big celebratory day, but it's one in a thousand. Yeah. So. I love that. So everyone listening, you need to enjoy the process. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that takes way more time yeah. than the actual thing that you're working for. So you might as well have fun while you're doing it. Yeah. I mean, if you're training for an ultra and you hate your long runs that are like 10 to 20 miles then like, why are you even doing it? Yeah. Sounds like you should probably <laughs> shift your focus to something <laughs> like 5k yeah, yeah. Oh, 5k they're a different mental beast <laughs> they really are oh I guess that brings up another question so like mm-hmm. for the 5k mental strength that's more of like that's a different kind of pain cave mm-hmm. in my opinion um a worse pain cave in my opinion <laughs> I agree yeah <laughs> Would you approach that in the same way as you would for ultras or is there anything different you would throw in there or take out? Yeah. I mean, again, I think it all depends on the athlete's particular goal. So if they're a short distance runner, then we, then the program would look different than a fast distance runner or mm-hmm. than a long distance runner. <laughs> um, because you know, that pancake that you get in ultras is going to go up and down and have those waves. If you're doing something short and hard and fast, 
you're kind of in it and you're in it until you're done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it's a little bit different. You can't tell yourself, okay, wait five minutes and this will feel better. Like it might not feel better until you're finished. Um, So yeah, your visualization techniques, your your self-talk techniques, those are going to look a little bit different, honestly, because in an ultra, you can break it into these tiny little pieces and say, okay, this is my five minute chunk. I'm going to get through this five minute chunk. And then we'll think about the next one in a little while. But if you're, if you're doing something short, you kind you do have to think about it all at once. And so your visualization is going to be more, you know, picturing yourself finishing this race, getting to the end, getting out of, I mean, not getting out, but completing your goal, um, rather than staying in the moment necessarily. Um, like with ultras, I think you do need to stay in the moment because, mm-hmm. um, if you think too far ahead, it gets really overwhelming. Yeah. With something shorter, if you stay in the moment, it gets really overwhelming because it's very hard to stay feeling that way um, Mm -hmm. and to imagine feeling that way for very long. So you do need to think more ahead. So that's that's one major difference, I would say. Um, And then, as you said, the discomfort is a different feeling of discomfort. So Mm -hmm. you can use different different techniques to not distract yourself, but to reshift your focus to other areas. Um, so for instance, in ultras, your legs are going to feel tired and heavy, but in shorter races, they're probably just going to feel like burning and tight Mm -hmm. and like terrifying. Um, and (laughs) I mean, terrifying is the word that comes to mind. Like you feel like your legs are going to fall off and that is in, in those shorter distance races, your whole body is going to be in pain. Uh So you might just have to really shift your focus inward entirely and say, this feels bad, but I still have this ability to think and to focus. And I can, you know, instead of focusing on the pain in my legs or in my entire body, I can focus on, you know, one technique might be looking at one thing in your field of vision that you can focus all of your attention on. Whereas again, in in ultras, you're going to have that much broader state of mind again long-winded way of putting it but yeah if you're if you're going short and hard you're going to want more of a narrow focus on things if you're going long and slow you you can have more of a, a broad focus I never thought about it that way this is why I have you here <laughs> <laughs> and the good thing about the shorter races is you can practice that feeling more so than obviously like ultras you're not necessarily going to reach the same pain cave in training as you would in the race Mm -hmm. especially the Mm -hmm. longer the race gets but yeah yeah those are very good tips for any distance runner yeah and again it it takes practice just like fueling takes practice on your stomach you have to practice all the techniques um your mental techniques to give your brain time to adjust to it cool is there anything we haven't covered today that you want to cover? Well, you're, you're kind of coming to this from a perspective of being multifaceted in, in sports and in life. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's something kind of important to think about is like, just like we were talking about before, you're a whole human, you have so many sides to yourself. And instead of viewing like, oh, this run or this climb is only a small portion of my day. What else am I going to do with myself? Like I'm not the rest of my time isn't worthwhile, which is definitely a feeling that I used to have. Mm -hmm. And that led me to 
a lot of overtraining habits where I felt like this is the one part of my day where I feel like I'm doing something worthy. Like I am worthy. So I'm going to make it last as long as possible. And I'm going to do as much of it as I can. And, you know, for people that have other things going on and outside of their one sport, if they have two different sports, if they have multiple sports, if they have a full-time job and a side gig and their sport, you know, um, it can really help to find parallels across those things to say, yes, I'm not actively running right now. I'm not actively climbing right now, but what I am doing right now is helping me become a better climber, a better runner for these reasons, you know? So my main work right now is writing. I'm obviously not running while I'm writing. Mm -hmm. Um, that would be a little difficult, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, when I am writing, I am really practicing my focus because I work from home. So I could very easily just get distracted every two minutes, go get a snack, pet my cat, talk to my boyfriend, whatever. But if I am practicing staying focused on one task, that's the same mental um, strength that's going to help me stay focused on on a run or on a climb when there's a dog at the bottom of the crag eating my lunch and I have to focus on what's in front of me. So like finding those pieces of carryover to realize that everything that you're doing outside of your sport carries into your sport and vice versa. Like, because you're a whole human, you're not just an athlete. Yeah. I feel like I've heard a lot of runners say that they take pieces of running and realize it in the rest of their life. Like mostly Mm -hmm. the mental strength that you get from running, they realize they're resilient in other ways. And like, yes, yeah, they're more, um, usually more flexible in other things um because like you know in running things don't always go as you think they're going to go you have to adapt Mm -hmm. on the fly um yeah which is really helpful like in your career in your personal relationship in your friendships and Mm -hmm. anything else you do (laughs) right and it can go the opposite way too you know if you're uh for instance if you're struggling with an injury so you can't run but you're doing amazing things in your job. You just got a promotion or you got a new job or you just started your own business or any of these other things. It can be very easy to stay focused on the fact that you can't run right now. Mm -hmm. But again, note to self, (laughs) (laughs) if you're doing other things that bring you joy and satisfaction and help you hone those mental skills, you're still doing the work to become a better runner because you can take what you're doing in those arenas and bring it back to your running. Such a good reminder. Awesome. Well, I think that is enough for one episode. Um, Yeah. I'm sure we'll have follow-up questions. Where can everyone find you if they do have more questions? I would love to talk to anybody. Um, You can find me on Instagram at insideoutathlete, all one word. Um, You can also find me at my website, which is insideoutathlete.com. Right now, I work one-on-one with athletes on a monthly basis, kind of as I was saying before, with that particular focus that we work out together. And if you're already working with a coach like Kelly, then we can integrate it into your running training as well, which is really cool because then you can cover all of your bases at the same time and make sure that you are finding those parallels between everything. And I am more than happy to chat with anybody um, about any questions that you have. Perfect. And are you currently accepting new athletes? I sure am. Awesome. So I'll link all of those in the show notes. If you want more information about Lucy, head to her Instagram or her website. And thank you so much for being here today, Lucy. This was so much fun. 
Thanks, Kelly. I really enjoyed it. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review everything you do for podcasts wherever you listen to them. It helps me out immensely and helps other people find the show and just spread my message. And if you haven't already, connect with me on Instagram or TikTok at Coaching Klutz. You can also find me at my website, coachingklutz.com, if you're looking for my coaching services or any of my running programs. And I will talk to you all next time.